You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. If I were to entitle this message, I would call it maybe something like Uncharted Waters. What do I mean by that? When we're talking about uncharted waters, you're in a situation that is unfamiliar to you, that you have no experience of and don't know what might happen, right? Just like my snowboarding experience, right? Like I really anticipated that I'd I'd get it, that I was athletic enough once in my life, but uh, I was in uncharted waters. I didn't know what to expect, and it got the best of me. So can, can you relate? Have you ever been there? All right, one. Sweet. Actually, all of us, right? It's a very similar thing to last week. All of us have been there. Why? Because all of us know what it was like to show up to college for the first time, right? Not really knowing what it's going to be like. Okay, yeah, you know you got to take classes, but will people like me? What is it going to be like living with a roommate? You know, like, come on, some of you are like, oh my gosh, right? The Lord is so good. And others of you are like, well, we won't say, Right? So all of us have been there. All of us have had prior experience with being in a place where we're not really sure how it's going to go down or what we can expect. And at, my li- at my, this point in my life, I've been there a lot. I've been there a lot. I had that same college experience that you had. Um, getting married, right? Uncharted waters. I had never been married before. What is it like to live under one roof with one person, there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. You know what I'm saying? Two sinners under one roof. What is it going to be like? How about having kids? I've, I'm probably the only one in the room, but, right? It was a new experience. Literally, the first time we brought Micah home, Michelle and I watched him to make sure he was breathing all night long. And we did this for a couple days until we realized, like, if we don't go to sleep, we're going to die, you know? And so we went to sleep and just trust him with the Lord. And here he is. He's 13, so we did all right. Right? <clears throat> How about COVID? Let's just say we all experienced uncharted waters when, when COVID, a global pandemic hit. And I would, I would argue that most of you know exactly where you were when things got shut down. Right? I was in Turkey. And I'll never forget it. Like, I'm, I'm on spring break on a missions trip in another country, and I'm laying there about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I wake up, and one of, my guys, one of the guys in my room is laying in bed looking at his phone, and I'm like, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. What's he doing up? And, and he sees me starting to stir. He's like, hey, you better call your wife. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, President Trump is closing the borders. I'm like, What? So, so I call my wife, you know, it's seven hours difference, and so we start talking, and she's a little bit freaking out, you know, because I'm in another country, and who knows if we're getting back home, and, and all of a sudden, that's, that, the, all of those things that started to be like, whoa, what, how do we do this, how do we navigate this, where should we go, what, what, are, what do we need to do in this moment, and, and we're all, we've never been here before, right? We've never been here before. God, help us. What should we do, right? So we get on all the phones, and literally that day, I don't even know what we did on a mission trip other than I'm trying to problem solve what to do with our team, what has to happen, where do we go from here, and then I've got other teams in other countries, right? And so we're also trying to, from Turkey, try to navigate what's happening in Djibouti, what's happening in Belgium, what's going on, and and we're trying to figure out how to get people home. I mean, we... It was one of those moments where you're like, what call should we make? And, and if we make the call, is it the right call? Should we send them home early? But people need to hear the gospel. You know, we're wrestling with all of those things. <clears throat> and so we decided that because after things came out and there was another statement by our former president that it was like, okay, we'll be all right. We'll be able to get back into the country. But there were some people that had to get out. I remember our Belgium team, Sam was leading our Belgium team, and they had, we had to purchase their tickets just to get them back because they were going home early. And they show up to the airport, and the airline's not there. <laughs> it's just like, hey, if you need anything, call this number. You're like, really? Uh, and so they, we had to rebook them, and, 
And as we rebooked them, something, somehow they got split up, and I'm on the phone with Sam, and we're trying to get them. We had paid for the tickets, but only half of the tickets were showing up, and the other half were going to have to stay behind. And, and we're all ta- we're, we're talking through this, and finally I'm like, what do you do? I'm like, Sam, just pray in the Spirit, <laughs> you know? And she's like, okay. So again, remember, I'm in Turkey. She's in Belgium. So I'm like, just pray in the Spirit. She's like, okay, I'll pray in the Spirit. She starts praying in the Spirit, and like within moments, they're like, oh, we found the other tickets. We're going home, baby, you know, like, woo, you know. But it's, it's one of those moments where you're just like, man, what, you've been there, right? Like, we've all been there. And then navigating, what is it like to lead a campus ministry in a global pandemic? At that time in my life, I was going to go on a, on a, like a three and a half, four month sabbatical. And, and to be honest, as I'm navigating those waters, never been here, nobody's led a a uh, campus ministry in a global pandemic. I was really wrestling with what to do. You know, because honestly, I really wanted three and a half months to just seek Jesus and spend a whole lot of time, read books that I've never, that I've been on my shelf for probably 10 years that I've been longing to get to, and this was going to be the moment, you know? But as my wife and I started talking about it and we started praying about it, really my wife, not me, <laughs> she's like, you can't take your, you know, you can't do this. But I need to, you know. You, you can't just walk away while, we're, while this is going down. And not that I was walking away, I was just going to, you know, be refreshed. We decided to push through. We decided to push through, and we did these online services, and we did these little Saladino shorts. My kids made videos. We, we delivered a, a, a message, and then your, someone on your staff team wrote a brand new worship song every week. And we decided, because here's the deal. We understood, like, everything's going virtual, Right? And although we've never been here, I don't want to be, like, let's do something a little different, right? Let's do something a little different that might reach more people, might impact more people. And we actually saw people come to know Jesus virtually that hadn't yet given their life to Jesus while we were in person. Or people that started showing up to life group virtually that didn't come to life group in person. And you're like, why? No? Okay. That was supposed to be funny. Anyway. Right, like there's this dynamic that as we're all navigating these uncharted waters, the truth is, is Jesus is still on the move. And the truth is, is that even when we're in places we don't really understand maybe what decision to make or how to, to make it or what to do, that we, if we just hold on, Jesus will come through every time. And in fact, let me just say it this way, I believe he's going to come to you. He's going to come to you. The question is, in those moments, are you looking for him? Are you calling to him? Are you open to him coming to you in those moments where maybe you just don't really know how to handle the situation? And so tonight, as we dive into this story, we're going we're gonna to step into this place where, where Jesus comes in a very unexpected way to, to these guys and And yet, in that moment, something even crazier happens. Something even crazier happens. Something pretty supernatural takes place as these guys are in this boat on this Sea of Galilee. Jesus comes in an unexpected way, and their lives are changed forever. I'm going to pray as we dive in. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your presence, to be in your house. Lord, would you speak to us and change our lives in Jesus' name, amen. Now, right before this story, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Actually, there's more than 5,000, but we know there's 5,000, 5,000 men, but there was probably more women and children back then. They didn't count in the sense of for these, this purpose, and so they just counted the, the men 
There's 5,000 of them. And with five loaves of bread and two small fish, Jesus feeds them all, okay? And then it's in that moment, after that moment, Jesus has them get in the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee. But I just want you to think for a moment, what was that conversation like? Like getting in the boat. Jesus is like, come on, we got to go across the other side. So they get in the boat and they're like, wait a second. How many loaves of bread did we have? How many fish? You're like, dude, there was only five. Wait, wait, there was five? Do you see how many people? Like, come on, are you kidding me? Did that really just happen? Did Jesus really just multiply five loaves of bread and two small fish to feed 5,000 people? And another one, and I don't know, Peter's like, yo, but that's nothing. There were 12 baskets of leftovers. And you're like, what? I mean, could you just think, come on, a little, think about that as you're reading scripture. You're like, come on, this is, this is nuts. This is crazy. It's supernatural. And so they're getting in the boat, and as they get in the boat to go to the other side, I can only imagine how excited, come on, they just witnessed another miracle and the power of Jesus. I don't think they're getting the boat like, oh, come on, let's go. They're like, no way, come on, did you see that? That's incredible. And they're getting the boat, and they start going across, and Jesus stays back. And Jesus stays back, and this is, this is where we pick up. Matthew 14, verses 23 to 33, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. Some versions say shortly, be- shortly before dawn. Others say the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, the fourth watch of the night would have been between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., which is even late for you guys, right? The boat was being beaten by the waves, harassed and distressed, while the wind was blowing against them. So to be honest, right, the elements are against them. I don't know if you've ever been out on a boat when the wind picks up and it starts to storm. It's awful, right? There's there's nothing comfortable really about it, right, other than the fact that you're in the boat and you're not in the water, right? And and I'm going to tell you right now that, that there's not... It's not restful, right? Like, it's, it's actually, right, there's some physical things that need to happen. You're holding on, trying not to fall out of the boat, probably keeping the, the boat headed in the right direction. Those things are, are, are a pretty big deal. And so they're, 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 there's no one sleeping, right? It's really late or early, however you want to look at it, 3 to 6 a.m. And so I think we could say that after the adventure that they had and the excitement that they had, these guys are tired and probably pretty worn out from heading across this Sea of Galilee, this lake. <clears throat> it is in the state that Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And of course they thought it was a ghost, right? You're like, who walks on water? They would have never imagined Jesus to come to them in this manner. They had not witnessed Jesus walking on water up to this point. And as a fisherman, as some of them were, they would have known that what they're seeing was impossible in the natural. Yet Jesus came to them. And I think it's important for us to understand that sometimes in life, we're going to be in situations, and Jesus often comes to us in ways that maybe we are not used to. What do you mean, Anthony? What do you mean? Well, let me... Let me let me put it to this way. There's, there's a lot of us that are in a very similar situation 
we're in this boat, if you will, and the boat, if you will, is Virginia Tech. They got in a boat to go to another side, that, you know, to, to get to a de- destination. You're all here at Virginia Tech to get to a destination, to get a degree so that you can go on and move on in life and have a career, right? And so in very similar ways, we're in a very similar situation. We're on a trajectory. We're headed somewhere. And in the midst of that, we often experience storms, right? What do you mean? I think we often experience storms. Some of us, our home life is unraveling, right? You stepped away to college, and all of a sudden now mom and dad maybe are having greater issues than they've ever had before in their life. Maybe, right, the storm is you wanted to be an engineer, and after that first engineering class, you're like, ah, no. You know, like, but my dreams, you know? And all of a sudden, you start to go through a storm. What storm? My identity was wrapped up in this thing. And who am I going to be now? And, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up as you're trying to head this direction, and it's not as easy as you thought it would be. It's not a cakewalk. It's a little bit more challenging. Relationships are hard. There's people everywhere wanting you to do things you didn't want to do, and you find yourself doing things, and all of a sudden, you're like, where am I, and what is really going on? And who am I? And Jesus, Jesus comes to us. Well, how does he come to us? So sometimes he came to, comes to us in our roommate or in our RA. Perhaps maybe he came to you at a watermelon night or s'mores or something in a mug. Or maybe you're just minding your own business and someone showed up in your world and started challenging your worldview because Jesus loves you that much. Maybe it was a club meeting. Maybe it was you're just trying to eat your lunch and someone showed up. You know what I'm saying? Unexpected. But Jesus comes. The question is, what will you do? What will you do when he shows up in your life? I think it's interesting because, you know, as we, as we dive into this, you typically have one or two reactions. You either receive him with open arms or you actually put the stiff arm out and you kind of run the other direction. And I see this in many years. And and let me share two quick stories. One, I got radically saved in Montana. I had done most of my college career at William Patterson University, played soccer for them. As you guys know, I had a girlfriend for three and a half years. When I got radically saved and came back, the first thing I did was I showed up to her dorm room and I shared the gospel with her. And then I gave her a little note and it basically explained God, what God did, not because I was trying to get back with her, but because I just wanted her to know the love of God that I knew. And I understood that she was looking for it in all the wrong places. Are you following me? And so I shared the gospel with her and, and she goes, that kind of, this is her reaction. Guys, she, she says, that kind of love is amazing. Who wouldn't want it? And I'm thinking, Exactly, come on, yes, yes, that's it. So do you want to pray to receive him? She said, no. She said, there's no way he could love me like that. And she asked me to leave and pushed me out the door. And I don't know where she's at today. You see, the, the truth is, is when Jesus comes to us, there's, there's a response. that You can either try to push him away, and because he's a loving God, He's not going to fight you, right? Like, he's going to love you. He's going to come to you as a gentleman. He's going to show you who he is, but it's your choice. Not too long ago, we were out on campus sharing with people, and and this guy, just to save time, he had some injuries literally right there. They, They were hurting him right there, and Jesus heals him on the spot. And we ask him if he wants to give his life to Jesus, and he says no. He says, no, how how does that happen? How does somebody encounter the supernatural power of God? There's no way we can heal him. There's nothing in me that can heal this guy. But Jesus shows up and heals him, and he still says, no, I don't want anything to do with this, Jesus. And you, you have to begin to wonder, how does that happen? Because there's really two reactions. And I think the reality is, is that actually when you start to admit the fact that Jesus is alive, and you understand that he's actually calling you to something that is a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little bit uncomfortable because the truth is, is that you're the minority. 
We're on a campus of 30,000 students, and if you say yes to Jesus, you're stepping into the minority. But hopefully, one day it's the majority. And I know that's God's heart, but that's why it gets uncomfortable. It gets uncomfortable because there's not that many people. It's interesting because they were scared as Jesus came to them in an unexpected way, in a supernatural way. You see, I think this young man might have got spooked a little bit because he's actually been running from God. And God showed himself to be real. And now he's got to do something about it. Right? He, he actually has to either deny the fact that he got healed or he has to admit the fact that God loves him enough to show up to him on the middle of a campus and touch his life. And, and he's in pursuit of him. See, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what boat you're in. I don't know what storm you're walking through. But let me tell you something. There's a God who loves you and wants to come to you in that moment. Now, here's the thing, right? Like, if you're here tonight, it's just not coincidence. And if you're here tonight and you find yourself in a storm, it's not coincidence. And if you're here tonight, Jesus is showing up in your world, and he's not only coming to you, he's also going to call you to him. And it's only in those moments that we have this opportunity to choose to come to him where he is. I love this. I don't know. This always gets me, but I don't know about you, but they're, it's late. They're exhausted. They're tired. They think they see a ghost, right? And they're freaking out, and Jesus hears them freaking out, and he's like, don't be afraid. It's I. And you're like, I, who's I? You know, like, that doesn't help me, you know? Like, identify yourself, you know? I don't know. I find that funny. Sorry. I think it's hilarious, But Peter's reaction declares something else. Peter's reaction reveals to us that, that they know his voice already, that his sheep know his voice. And when you know the voice of Jesus, when he comes to you in unexpected ways, you'll be more likely to receive him than to ignore him. As we dive into this story, these guys have been walking with him. They've seen miracles. They've, they've heard his voice. Some of you here tonight, man, you've heard the voice of God, and yet the storm is raging, and you're beginning to wonder and flounder, and Jesus is, is speaking now. Listen to the voice of God. He is not going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you. This is who he is. This is what he does. And then all of a sudden, we see Peter says this. He says, if it's you, command me to come to you. And actually, a, a biblical scholar, his name is D.A. Carson, says, better rendering of this Greek here is not if it's you, it should be since it's you. So Peter, already recognizing that it's got to be Jesus, says, since it's you, Lord, call me to come to you. And all of a sudden, we've got to be like, whoa, wait a second. Peter, do you understand what's going on? And we see this, this request is actually not to walk on water. The request is to be where God is is actually to come to God, is actually to be where God is. And let me just tell you something, that no matter what storm you're walking through, no matter what you're walking through in your life, there's no better place to be than where God is. And so Peter's like, man, call me to come to you. I want to be with you. I want to be where you are, even if it happens to be on the water, and even if it happens to, to require a supernatural miracle for me to get there. Do we long to be with Jesus, to be where he is, no matter where he's calling us. Friends, all of a sudden we begin to see that sometimes God begins to call us to places that maybe aren't safe, that maybe would require a, a leaving of a comfort zone. And to be honest, the truth is, is I've already said, listen, the, the truth is, is that when you begin to follow Jesus in a place like this, it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna wrestle with some uncomfort because the majority of the people are going their own way, their own direction. 
See, it's my belief that Jesus is actually calling you to be with him here at Virginia Tech. You to be with him. And as you embrace that calling to be with Jesus, you will walk on uncharted waters, even here and beyond. You will see things you never thought you'd see. You would do things you never thought you'd do to be with him. See, the truth is, is that following Jesus is nothing but boring. boring. It's actually an adventure of a lifetime. You know what? May we be people that pray like Peter. May our requests be to be where God is. No matter what the cost, no matter what, where, when, that our hearts would be, God, I just want to be where you are. God, I just want to be where, where you are. That that would be the passion of our heart. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, come, come on. You want to be where I am? Come on. And that's the same invitation that Jesus has for all of you here tonight. You want to be where God is? The invitation's already, his hands extended, says, come on. Come, come with me, come on. And then we get to see something even crazier, right? Like, be a, not only is the request crazy, but what's even crazier is what happened next. Peter gets out of the boat. Peter demonstrates a desire to follow Jesus, even if it requires a new demonstration of supernatural power walking on water. Now listen, Peter's already seen this. You remember last week, right? He already knew Jesus had supernatural power over the fish, over the natural elements, right? He fished all night, didn't catch anything, and then Jesus shows up and says, throw the nets in, and not the right time to be fishing, uh, right? And he catches a catch so big that it takes two boats to pull it in, and it's actually beginning to sink the boats, right? And all of a sudden, Peter throws it, oh, get away from me. This is the truth about who God is, but that's not the only time. We see in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent them out to, and they saw people healed, and they raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out demons. This is what they did, and now Peter is in this place, and he didn't let prior experience limit him from stepping out in faith. Listen, I don't know what your prior experience have been with Jesus. I don't know what you've seen and what you've not seen, but all of a sudden we see a fisherman who knows to respect the water, who knows you don't get out of the boat when you're over the deep. You don't do it, right, that you'll die. At that point, they knew if they got out of the boat, it'd be over, right? At that time, that's, that's just, that's, you stay in the boat at all costs, you know? And every time Peter had pulled his boat in, even in the shallows, and he stepped out of the boat onto the water, guess what happened? His feet hit the bottom. Every time. Every time. His past experience of walking on water was, you can't do it. But when Jesus called him, he didn't let his past experiences, listen, are you hearing me? When Jesus called him out of the comfort zone, he didn't let his past experiences keep him from coming to Jesus. I don't know what your past experiences are. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what church hurt you have. I don't know what people have let you down. I don't know. And let me just tell you something. It will continue to happen because people are people and people need Jesus. But there is one that you can trust with your life there's one that you can look to for the perfect example. There's one, and his name is Jesus, and he's calling you to not let what you previously know, right, to affect you from knowing him. There's this powerful story in the scriptures where this father has this son, and he, he, his disciples can't cast out the demon, right, in his son. And so this father says, you know, comes to Jesus. Here's the mind-blowing, Jesus casts out the demon, right, and, and here's the mind-blowing thing. He didn't let, listen to me, hear, hear me. He didn't let, this father didn't let what the followers of Jesus could not do from keeping him from getting to Jesus, okay? That's, that's, that's such a powerful picture of what, what we want to understand is that you can't allow, right? You can't allow someone who is saved by grace to be your model. Your model, your example, everything is Jesus, I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. Jesus is the only Jesus. I know, this is rocket science. But the truth is, right, the truth is sometimes we forget that. 
And so let me just say this. I don't know what your past experience is. But I've grown up long enough to know that people hurt people. But Jesus, is, Jesus heals people. And I, I just want you to know, like, perhaps tonight, you need to take a step, a step out of that place that you've clamored for, for comfort and come to Jesus. And come to Jesus. Even if it's beyond what you understand. I love this about Peter. He didn't let the previous experiences hinder him. Let me tell this, this story real quick. Do you want to come back? It'll help me close quicker. I was leading this trip to Colombia. And I love this story because it, it, it show, so reveals the power of God even when we've not witnessed him moving in a way that he is about to move. And so <clears throat> I'm leading this trip to Colombia. I think it's Wednesday, and this guy calls me. His name is Ross. Ross calls me up, and he says, Anthony, you're never going to believe this. We're leaving Friday. We're driving up to D.C. Friday, and we're flying out super early in the morning. We've got to be at the airport at like 4 a.m., and it's Wednesday. And, and Ross calls me and says, Anthony, I'm so sorry. My passport's expired. And uh, he's like, I'm not going to be able to go. I'm like, whoa, 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 let's pray. Call the state representative. Let them know what's going on and see what they can do. So we pray on the phone. He, he gets off the phone, and 30 minutes later, he calls me back. He goes, I can't even believe God works that fast. He called the state representative of Virginia, picked up, said, just come up here Friday morning. We'll have it ready for you. Ross went on the trip, right? Friday morning, I'm at a prayer meeting. Kai Alpha does morning prayer. I'm at one of those meetings. And uh, <clears throat> some girls come walking in. They're like, you got to pray for Katie. Katie was supposed to come on the trip with me. I'm like, what's going on? They found her, like, basically passed out on the bathroom floor that night. And they took her to the hospital. After the prayer meeting was over, I grabbed some, some oil, some anointing oil. I don't have time to explain that. But anyway, just go with me. Grabbed some anointing oil. I went over to the hospital found out what room she's in. As I'm about to walk into the room, the doctor's walking out, and he says, can I help you? I said, I'm her campus pastor. I said, I just came to pray with her. She's supposed to come to Columbia with me tonight. And he said, sorry, she's not going to Columbia. She's got a stomach virus, and you don't want her in Columbia with that stomach virus. I said, thanks, doc, and I walked in. As I looked at Katie, she's, she's like starting to tear up. She heard the whole conversation. And I just looked at her and I said, Katie, I just don't believe you raised the money and God's just going to close the door on you now. So we're going to pray. You're going to go take a nap, and I'll see you later. So I anointed her with oil. I prayed. She took a nap, and they released her from the hospital at 3 o'clock, and she came with us. And then the next morning, I got to the airport. There's 10 of us. I get up to the counter. I hand all 10 passports to the lady, and she says, sorry, sir, you're at the wrong airport. I'm like, What? Can you help me out a little bit? She goes, sorry, sir, you got to go to the right airport. Friends, I just had students' parents drop me off at the airport. Now i got to call them and tell them, sorry, this fearless leader took them to the wrong airport. Can you come back at 4 in the morning and take us to the right airport? It was all about the cross for me. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so... They come back, they get us. I literally gathered the group. I'm like, we got to pray. We need a miracle. So I pray. And then I'm like, all right, you guys stay here. And I went to the bathroom, but I didn't really go to the bathroom. I called my wife. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what I did. And my wife, you know, wakes up and prays with me. And we head to the right airport. We get in line. We now miss the airplane by two hours. I get up to the counter, and you know, I'm scoping out the counter, like, where? You know, you know, you want the right agent. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, Jesus, just not that guy over there. Any other one looks great, you know? Super nice and sure that's, I get the mean guy that's yelling at everybody. So I walk up to the counter. He goes, how can I help you? I said, sir, we, want, we need to get on a plane and get to Columbia today. He's like, well, what's going on? I said, well, we missed our flight. He said, well, how'd you do that? I said, well, I went to the wrong airport. He's like, 
how can you be so, you know, he called me an idiot or whatever. And I was like, it's okay, sir. Just, can you get us there? He's like, no, turn around and look at that line. He says, turn around and look at that line. There's no way I'm getting you to Columbia today. And I said, we'll do anything, I said. I said, we'll do anything. Well, you can split us up. I'll fly to New York, then to Miami, then to Columbia. Whatever you got to do, we'll do it. And he's like, fine, let me look. So he starts looking. Remember, there's 10 of us. And he says, oh, oh, give me three names. I've got three spots open on a flight out at 9.15. And he puts in those three names. And I'm, I had told the, the whole time we're praying, okay, the whole time we're praying. But even as I'm standing there at the counter, I'm just praying under my breath. Come on, God. Then all of a sudden he says, hey, I, give me another name. I've got another open spot at a 9.25 to Miami. Give me a name. And so I start to give him a name. And all of a sudden, the man's mouth drops open, like just dumbfounded. And, and I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, six more spots just opened up on this plane. Give me all your names. Not only did God miraculously open up spots, while this guy was looking at the computer, he saw one spot and all of a sudden six more opened up. We got to Columbia. I got on a plane and I began to, to read the scripture. I was, I was pretty shaken, I'm gonna be honest with you. I had, I had seen God get passports in a day. I, I've, I've witnessed that, that was not new. That was not a new miracle for me. I also have watched Jesus heal people over and over and over and over again. It was not a new miracle for me. But I had never seen up to that point Jesus open up spots on a plane that was full until that moment. And I'm on the plane and honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm crying because God's too good. You know what I'm saying? And I started to read the scripture and I'm reading the scripture where Paul's on the island of Malta and he, he picks up some brush and a viper jumps out and bites his hand. And Paul just goes like this, just shakes it off, no big deal. I'm just supposed to die when this thing bites me, but, and he goes out. And I felt like the Lord asked me a question that night. Why are you so shaken? He asked me, why are you so shaken? If Paul gets bitten by a viper and can just shake it off, why are you so shaken by showing up at the wrong airport? Am I not God? And I just wept because he was that good, you know? And I, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what storm you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your life. But let me just tell you something. God is so good. And, and actually, God is calling out to you in the midst of your storm. And he's saying, come to me in the midst of your storm. Remember, there's, there's wind and waves that are crashing. And Peter, right, he gets out of the boat, guys. He gets out of the boat the place of comfort with his boys. He gets out of the boat and he begins walking and he comes near Jesus. The Bible says he came, they came near to Jesus. But it was in the moment that he came near to Jesus that the wind started to grab his, uh, his attention, right? And, and the, think about this for a second. He's just defying gravity as walking on the water. A natural element, right? Like these, these natural elements. He's walking on top of the water and all of a sudden another natural element causes his gaze to be removed from Jesus. Think about that for a second. God is calling you to come to him. And what is that thing, right? What is that thing that is actually distracting you? Like, there's many people in this room that you've already gotten out of the boat and you've tried to come, but as you started to come to Jesus and you've even gotten near to Jesus, but all of a sudden something got stirred up and you started to take your gaze off of the one that you're headed towards and you started to look at something else. I see this happen all the time, all the time. It, can, it happens in relationships. Boyfriends and girlfriends and all of a sudden, not that they're bad, but sometimes if, if they take your eyes and your gaze off of Jesus, they can begin to become a distraction. What the wind was, was a distraction from keeping his eyes on Jesus. So the question is, what is the wind in your life right now? What is the very thing that's distracting you from coming all the way to Jesus, to being near Jesus? What is it in your life? And are you willing 
to set your gaze back on Jesus and not allow those things to distract you anymore. Let me just tell you something. Sometimes distractions are not sin. They could be really good things. Like relationships. But what I've seen, I've seen things like music, movies, video games, sports, money, dreams, career, all begin to take our gaze off of the one that really matters, and we start sinking in life, and then we wonder why. Because you weren't created for those things. You were created for the one thing, Jesus. And you started pursuing something that wasn't what you were meant to pursue. And lastly, let me just say this. For those of you in the room that are already following Jesus, <clears throat> Peter's prayer moved him to action. He got out of the boat. Some of you are saying, Jesus, call me to come to you. I want to be where you are, but you're not willing to take the first step. He's saying, come on. Come on. And lastly, let me just say this. When you get out of the boat, you're going to rock the boat. You're going to rock the boat. There are going to be other people in the boat that when you begin to follow Jesus, they're going to be unsettled. And you better believe they're going to start yelling at you. What are you doing? Get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. You can't walk on water. You can't follow Jesus here. Are you really going to give up your social life of drinking and drugs and hooking up? Are you really going to give it up? Are you really going to give up your career? Are you really going to follow Jesus more than your dreams? You'll rock the boat. Your family. You get out of the boat, I'm telling you right now, your family's going to start screaming, get back in the boat, get back in the boat. Don't follow Jesus to the Middle East. Get back in the boat. Don't give up your your degree to follow Jesus. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Get back in the boat. My dream for you was to be an engineer. Guys, you're going to get out of the boat and follow Jesus. You're going to rock the boat. You're going to rock the boat. People are going to begin to be unsettled by the fact that you're going hard after the things of God and you're willing to step out in a way that is uncomfortable, not only for you, but for them. And when you begin to rock the boat, people begin to take notice and they get scared for you and for themselves. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. As, as Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water and he begins to sink because he's distracted, he calls out to Jesus. He does the right thing. Save me, Lord, right? He starts sinking. He goes to the right place at the right time and Jesus reaches down, grabs his hand and pulls him up out of the water. And then it says they get out, they get back in the boat. And what ha what's the response of everybody that stayed in the boat in the place of comfort? They begin to worship and recognize Jesus to be truly the Lord. Are you willing to rock the boat? Are you willing to come to where Jesus is? Even if it means getting out of what's you known to be comfortable, even if it shakes other people, are you willing? Are you willing? Let me tell you something. When you get out of the boat, it may not be immediate, but I believe other people will begin to, to see your faith and they will be challenged. And I believe it'll even lead people to know this God as you come to where God is. If you're here tonight and you don't know this Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. 
He loves you deeply. He loves you. 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 And I believe that's why you're here tonight. And he died on a cross because all of humanity are sinners. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way into the presence of God is through what Christ has done on the cross. The only way we get to be restored into relationship with this God, this amazing God who loves us, who comes to us in the midst of our storm, who can quiet the storm, who is, is all-powerful, all-loving, and desires you to be with him where he is. Like, think about that. This God wants you to be where he is. And he's saying, come on. I made a way. I sent my one and only son to die on a cross and come to life three days later, conquering sin, death, and the grave so that you and I could know this love, can be with him, could be with him where he is. That's what he desires. And if you're here tonight and you don't know God like that, tonight you can give your life to Jesus. You could accept him as your Lord and Savior. You can get out of the boat and start walking on water, coming to where he is. That's what he's doing. He's calling you to himself. If that's you tonight, all you need to do is slip up your hand. Say, Jesus, I want to be where you are. I want to accept what you've done on the cross for my life. Is there anyone here that would say, that's me. That's me tonight. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be where he is at no matter what the cost. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else tonight? Anyone else tonight that would say, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone else? have to leave the place of comfort. Would you stand with me? Let's give it up to Jesus one more time for a new brother. Let us just pray together. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Try it again. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you came to me because you desire a relationship with me. Thank you that you died on a cross for me and that the tomb is empty today, that you're alive. I invite you into my life to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be where you are today and for all eternity. I want to be where you are. So give me the grace to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's some others here tonight that you've already given your life to Jesus, but you're walking through some serious storms. And you, maybe you're feeling like you're starting to drown. You're starting to, to not be able to see Jesus in the midst of the wind and the waves. They're crashing and they're starting to steal your passion. And I invite you tonight to come to the altar, to, to let Jesus meet you in this place, that, that he would come to you in the midst of the storm saying, come on, I'm with you. If you started to, to grow weary in faith, I encourage you to come. I encourage you to come. There's others, there's others in this room that, that Jesus has actually called you to get out of the boat. There's things that he's asking you to do, but, but maybe it's, it's far more challenging. Maybe it's, again, relationships or a, a, even a career move. Maybe God has begun, even maybe at salt, God called you to the nations. And you're like, no, 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 no. Friends, it's far better to be where he is. It's far better to be where he is. You don't want not to be in the center of God's will for your life. And so if you feel like God's been tugging on your heart and direction and you've been, you've been trying to hold and cling to the boat, but you know that you know that you know that God's saying, come on, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat and come where I am. Then I want you to come to the altar tonight. The staff wants to pray for you. Get, get to Jesus. Come to where he is tonight. 
So Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, that you come to us in unexpected ways. God, that you come through friends. God, that you come in the middle of the night in dreams. That you come, God, that you come through roommates. God, that you come through RAs. God, we just, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, God, that you come to us. God, that you pursue us, that you come after us. Even in the midst of the the fiercest storm, God, we know that we can trust you. We know that you are good, good Father. And so, God, we just ask tonight, God, that not only will we surrender our lives to you, but, God, that we would not allow things to distract us, God. God, those of us in this room right now, that, that they know there are certain things in their life called the winds that are distracting them, that are keeping them from setting their gaze on Jesus. God, I ask God right now that they'd be able to lay those distractions down at the foot of the cross tonight. I pray for those that, that have sensed the great calling on their life, but there's a battle in their heart because in order to follow, they have to get out of the boat and there's some people that are gonna be, be shaken maybe family members, some loved ones. There's some of us that maybe are holding on to what our dreams for our life are more than what your dreams are. God, we're holding on to them. We're holding on to them. And you've called us to something greater, but we're God, don't let us settle. Don't let us settle for our dreams. Your dreams are so much better. Your dreams are so much better. You know exactly what you created us for. God, don't let, don't let the, 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 the idea of, of financial situations or, or, or what we, we want the easy life to be. God, I just pray, God, that you would move and stir people up tonight. And I just, just say this last thing, and then you guys can respond. You know, following Jesus is not easy. But we've got to stop living life like the goal of life is to arrive safely at death. Stop living life like the goal is to arrive safely at death. But that you would live by faith radically. By faith. For he has already ordained all the days for you. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your life. And so God, we just thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.